Well, good morning and welcome to Christ the King and happy Thanksgiving. We hope that you and your family and your friends have had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us here at Christ the King. We're glad that you're worshiping with us this morning and a very special welcome to family and friends who are visiting from out of town and for those of you who are visiting with us and worshiping with us for the first time. This morning we're continuing in our sermon series, Terms of Endearment. Today's sermon title is Jesus Christ Our King Calls Us His Family. Our scripture text and notes can be found on page 15 of your leaflet. We're in 2 Samuel 9 and Mark 3, 31 through 35. The main point of today's sermon, what I would like you to come away with, I'll give that to you now. So uh, if you've still got a little bit of tryptophan in your system, you can nap if you need to. Jesus Christ, our King, calls us his family with all the rights and the privileges and responsibilities that are associated with being a child of the King. I'll say that again. Jesus Christ, our King, calls us his family with all the rights, privileges, and responsibilities associated with being a child of the King. An important focal verse for today is Mark 3, 34 through 35, and looking about all those who sat around him, Jesus said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus Christ, our King, calls us his family. The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, redefines who we are as children of the King and redefines what family means. Family can be a source of great loss, grief, pain, and brokenness for many of us. For others, family is a source of great security, joy, and blessing. And for some, family is a paradoxical mix of both blessing and brokenness. Two weeks ago on Saturday Night Live, Chance the Rapper hosted and began a monologue. I know many of you did not see that coming, but um, Chance the Rapper was hosting Saturday Night Live and he sang the Thanksgiving song. Now, many of you old school folks here know that Adam Sandler, the comedian Adam Sandler, had done this song years before, but Chance modernized the song, updating some examples, and Chance started with the lyrics, it's Thanksgiving time. The one day a year when you invite the folks that you normally fear. It's Thanksgiving time when you are forced to see every single bad apple on your whole family tree. The song continued with regular SNL players like Leslie Jones and Pete Davidson and Kenan Thompson rolling through the stage representing various examples of those bad apples that Chance was singing about. From magicians to the one that's complaining that no one has awoke to the Sleazy uncle telling really bad and inappropriate jokes. Also included in the lineup of the family tree in this song was the brother who was the black sheep and the crazy aunt, everyone has one, the sketchy uncle, and so the songs continued. Most of us have some of these characters in our own family tree, and if we cannot find any of them, chances are we are one of those characters. Personally, I've, I've been the prodigal son, the wayward brother, the crazy uncle, and now the cheesy joke-telling father. In my sinfulness, I've been a great source of pain in my family. 
and in my dignity. As a child of God, an image bearer of the King, I have been the source of great joy, provision, and pride in my family. I suspect that this very dichotomy of dignity and depravity is the case with many of you as well as it relates to your own families. But we desire more. We desire what God has in store for us. We want more out of life, and we want more out of our families, do we not? The motivational speaker and leadership guru Zig Ziglar rightly observed that the human need and desire for security, the happiness and family that we all desire, he said this, he said, people basically are the same the world over. Everybody wants the same thing, to be happy, to be healthy, to be at least reasonably prosperous, to be secure. We want friends, peace of mind, good family relationships, and the hope that tomorrow is going to be even better than today. The hope that the gospel offers all of us is this very goodness. This is the hope found in God, and this is the hope that God desires for each of us. But maybe your family has let you down. Maybe your family is detached and distant or absent for some reason. Maybe your true family is your friendship circle. I was recently reading some of Barna's research which suggests that 30% of millennials are without close family ties. And they choose to celebrate the holidays with their friends instead of their family. Maybe that describes some of you today. Friendship circles have become the new nuclear family. Sometimes our families fail us in their role as our family. To quote the one philosopher who said, my family is my strength and my weakness. Or to quote Mother Teresa who said, the problem is we do not realize that we belong to one another. Recently, a student I work with had their entire world turned upside down by the bad decisions of their family, particularly a mother who was taken away. They've been forced to move, change schools, leaving the only life and home they have ever known in their 15 short years. All because a family system failed them. Pope John Paul II said this about family, the great danger for family life in the midst of any society whose idols are pleasure, comfort, independence, lies in the fact that people choose in their heart and close them to be selfish. This was the case with my student's family, and it makes my heart sad. And I think it makes the heart of God sad as well. The other week, my wife and I were talking to our leadership mentors, another married couple, and the husband is like a father to me since my own father died when I was 22. We were discussing who we, we would trust as family and who we would call at 3 a.m. if something horrible happened. Who would we consider our family? I told him I would call him. I have called him on many occasions in my time of need. 
By the end of the conversation, he said he would call me at 3 a.m. if he needed something or if an emergency arose. I'm honored by this. This is what family does for one another. But what about you? Who are you calling at 3 a.m.? Who is your family? Who are your brothers and your sisters in Jesus who do the will of the Father? And what about you? What does your family look like? Is your family a source of great blessing? Has your family failed you? The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus calls us his family and he will never fail us. We are his own. Jesus is no stranger to the joy and the intimacy of family. Nor is the doubt, pain, and rejection of family foreign to him. Jesus grew up in a small Galilean town of Nazareth. There, around 500 to 1,000 people lived in Nazareth at that time. It was a small country town, and it was a close-knit community. Family life was intimate, and people relied heavily on one another. As an eldest son, the firstborn, they would have had great responsibility and privileges. And much more was expected of them. Tom Wright, in his commentary, Mark for Everyone, describes the first century family. For Westerners, then, he says, Jesus' words about who his family is, though perhaps mildly shocking, don't mean that much. As we grow up, we develop a circle of friends who know us much better, who spend much more time with us than our parents and siblings regarding what we regard that as quite normal. But in Jesus' world, it was scandalous. It would still be in some places today. The family bond in Jesus' time was tight and long-lasting, as with many other Western, and, excuse me, non-Western cultures of today. It was normal for children to live close to their parents, maybe even in the same house. The family unit would have been business, a business unit as well, and they would have shared all things in common. What's more, the Jews, for the Jews, this was a close family bond. It was part of God's given fabric of thinking and living. Loyalty to the family was the local specific outworking of loyalty to Israel as the people of God. Breaking this link and you've over undermined a major pillar in the way that the Jews in the first century and the 20th century as well think and feel about the world and themselves. See, family has a lot to do with identity for the Jews and for us. For these very reasons, as Jesus left his family and went about teaching and ministering and healing, many thought that he had gone mad, including his own family. Jesus had begun teaching and preaching and left his hometown, and the family thought that he was out of his mind. And when the family heard it, they went out to seize him, according to Mark 21. For they were saying he is indeed out of his mind. And Jesus, see, had gone off of his family's script. As far as his family and his cultural and religious norms were concerned, he was no longer playing his role. Maybe some of us can relate to this scene. Maybe we have family who do not fully understand who we are or what God has called us to. 
Maybe our families think that we have left the family script as we have sought to follow Jesus and to do the will of God our Father. Maybe our families think that we are out of our minds. I know my family at several times have thought that we were out of our minds, especially when we moved to Haiti. That was a very crazy thing and was not very palatable for many of our family members. Have you ever experienced this misunderstanding and rejection in your own family life? Later on in Mark's gospel, Jesus was teaching back in his hometown, back in Nazareth. And Jesus had confused and offended many of those in his village by his teachings. Those who heard of him did not receive him well, nor did they accept his teaching. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except for in his own hometown and among his relatives and those in his household. Jesus' desire to do the Father's will and work was above and beyond the approval and the acceptance of his own family. Warren Wiersbe in his B-series commentary on Mark writes, Our Lord was not being rude to his family when he remained in the house and did not try to see his family. He knew that their motives were right, but their purpose was definitely wrong. If Jesus had yielded to his family, he would have played right into the hands of the opposition. The religious leaders would have said, See, he agreed with his family. He needs help. Do not take this Jesus of Nazareth too serious. Instead of giving in, Jesus used this crisis as an opportunity to teach a spiritual lesson. His family is made up of all of those who do the will of God. Our Lord's half-brothers and sisters were not believers. After all, and Jesus felt closer to the, unbelieving, the believing publicans and sinners than he did to his unbelieving half-brothers and sisters. Our Lord was not suggesting that believers ignore or abandon their families in order to serve God, but only that they put God's will above everything else in their own lives. Our love of God should be so great that our love for family would seem like hatred in comparison. Our identity should primarily be as children of the King, as God's family. After all, Jesus Christ calls us his family, as Jesus said, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sisters and mother. However, our earthly family has let us down. The very institution that God designed to bring stability, provision, security, and joy can bring us so much rejection, pain, and loss. So in conclusion, I would like to reference our Old Testament reading. In our Old Testament reading from 2 Samuel 9, we see King David making good on his covenant promise to his friend Jonathan, whom he had a brotherly relationship with. Jonathan's father, King Saul, had caused David and Jonathan a lot of pain. Saul wanted to kill David, and Jonathan protected his friend David. Jonathan 
was from a pretty broken home life, and that is a huge understatement. He literally had a madman for a father in King Saul. After Jonathan's death on the battlefield with his father, King Saul, David became king, and he sought to make good to his pro- on his promise with Jonathan to preserve his household and to show his family kindness. In a time where many kings would kill families of those who they pre- proceeded, In order to protect their own throne, David found the only living son of Jonathan, Mephibosheth, and restored to him his grandfather's and father's estate. And he treated him like his own son, making him family, adopting him into his own household, and giving him a place at the king's own table. Mephibosheth was a crippled man, having been dropped by his caretakers while fleeing the enemy. Mephibosheth had lost his family and his inheritance and did not have much hope for a fruitful life. He was destined to live impoverished and without. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Friends, this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. Jesus Christ, our King, has made us his family. He calls us his own. He gives us a place at his table now and always. We are adopted into the family of God. We are not left abandoned and broken. Jesus Christ, our King, has invited us to his table as his very own family. Jesus provides for us all that is his and will restore all that has been lost. All that the King has, he has made it ours. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For all that who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back again into fear, but we receive the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit himself bears witness with our own spirit that we are indeed children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now may we experience the peace and restoration of God, our Father, May we experience the joy and comfort and security and provision of the king's table now and forever as the king's own family. Pray with me. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, who sets the lonely in families and calls us your own family,
We commend to you and to your continual care the homes in which your people dwell. Put far from us, we pray, every root of bitterness and every desire for vain glory and the pride of life. Fill us with the faith, virtue, knowledge, and temperance and patience, godliness to do the will of the Father. Knit us together in constant affection. Those who in holy marriage have been made one flesh, knit them together. Turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to parents. And so enkindle fervent charity among us all that we may evermore be kindly affectionate to one another through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. Amen? Amen.